The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. Kicking off the holidays and one of the busiest and most important shopping seasons as consumers and investors gear up for Black Friday. Now on Wall Street, stocks looking to cap off their second positive week out of the last three. Futures right now pointing to some modest gains. A developing story overnight in China, sweeping new lockdowns and restrictions across the country as COVID cases close in on record highs. And speaking of China, a closer look at Apple and what new lockdowns could mean for an already strained iPhone supply chain And then later on, second time could be the charm for Elon Musk and his Twitter blue relaunch. It is Black Friday, November 25th. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. I'm Dominic Chewin for Brian Sullivan. It's a shortened trading day on Wall Street today for this Black Friday. The closing bell will ring at 1 p.m. Eastern time today. Right now, ahead of that truncated day of trading, futures are indicating some modest moves at the opening bell. You can see the Dow Jones just about flat implied at the opening bell. The Nasdaq, same kind of thing, and the S&P 500 overall. So again, some fractional moves, very marginal to the downside right now for the major indices. Checking in on the bond market, yields are actually ticking slightly lower this morning as well. A slight bid to Treasury bond prices. The 10-year benchmark Treasury note yield 3.707%. The two-year note yield 4.477%. And the 30-year long bond 3.739%. Now, in energy prices, oil, again, a medium-term, longer-term downtrend, but we are seeing a bid in prices today. WTI U.S. benchmark crude prices up $1.61 to $79.56, trying to reclaim that $80 mark, up about 2%. 1.5% gains for ice Brent crude futures up $1.35 to $86.69. In cryptocurrencies, still, that 16000 mark very much in focus. Right now, those prices for Bitcoin down about three quarters of 1%, 16426 and change. Ethereum prices, $1,178 and thereabouts, down about 1.5% as well. Let's now go worldwide. Juliana Tattlebaum is in our London newsroom with the price action in Europe and the wrap-up of Asia. Good Friday, Black Friday, Juliana. Don, good morning and happy Black Friday to you. The big news out in just the last 10 minutes came from China. After Chinese markets closed up for the trading day, the PBOC, the People's Bank of China, came out with a triple R cut. This is the second time they have cut this key ratio this year. It is a stimulative measure. It is the amount of cash banks must hold as reserves. Now, along with this triple R cut, the PBOC said that they are not looking to flood like stimulus. Now, all of this against the backdrop of a worsening COVID situation and the 
authorities in China now trying their best to support the economy. Uh, and that is the news. But as I said, this came out just in the last 10 minutes. So after uh, Chinese markets closed up, Shanghai Composite closed about 0.4% higher in overnight trade. Hang Seng in Hong Kong dropped about half a percent. And fairly muted action in Japan were down about a third of a percent. Turning to Europe, here's the picture on Black Friday. We have a, a mixed set of trade uh, within Europe. The FTSE 100 trading higher by about 0.14%. You've got oil and gas names outperforming this morning. Over in Germany, Zetra DAX down about three-tenths of a percent. The CAC 40 in France also trading lower. So fairly muted day, um, as no doubt some Europeans will be celebrating today as well. And as you said, Dom, a shortened day stateside is also uh, impacting trade here. Uh, slightly uh, more muted volumes so far. All right, Juliana Tettelbaum, live with the latest there in London. Thank you very much for the update. Now to some of this morning's top corporate stories. Pippa Stevens is here with those. Good Friday morning, Pippa. Good morning, Dom. Women who have accused Jeffrey Epstein of sexual abuse are filing lawsuits against Deutsche Bank and J.P. Morgan Chase. The two separate suits, which have been filed in the Southern District of New York and are seeking class action status, alleged that the banks financially benefited from the late financiers, alleged sex trafficking operations, and intentionally ignored red flags about their client. Deutsche Bank says the claims are without merit. Adidas is launching an investigation into alleged inappropriate behavior by Kanye West while it was working with the musician on the Yeezy sneaker line. Among the allegations, former Adidas employees tell the Wall Street Journal the artist, who now goes by Ye, showed and watched pornography during work hours and in meetings, tried to fire employees he was not authorized to fire, and berated others verbally in front of colleagues. And the U.S. is reportedly set to grant a license to Chevron to pump oil in Venezuela once again, a policy shift that could open the door for other oil companies in the coming years. A green light is, however, contingent upon the Venezuelan government implementing a $3 billion humanitarian program and resuming talks with U.S. officials over resolving its years-long political crisis. And new Twitter owner Elon Musk says he is granting amnesty for suspended Twitter accounts as soon as next week. The new policy coming after Musk posted a poll to his own Twitter timeline asking users if the platform should grant amnesty to suspended accounts quote, provided that they have not broken the law or engaged in egregious spam. Musk used the same method to decide whether or not to reinstate former President Trump to Twitter. Dom, we're also getting word this morning from Musk that he is tentatively set to relaunch Twitter Blue as soon as Friday of next week, with all verified accounts being manually authenticated before being granted a checkmark. All right. Pippa Stevens with the latest there on those headlines. Thank you very much. It is, of course, Black Friday, the official kickoff or unofficial, depending on how you want to look at it, to the holiday shopping season. And there it is, the countdown to Christmas clock, because we can put that up there now that it's Black Friday and not Thanksgiving anymore. The National Retail Federation estimates Americans could spend nearly one trillion dollars with a T this year. But as inflation strapped consumers are becoming more cautious about discretionary purchases, big box retailers are bracing for more discounting and lower profit margins as a result. Bertha Coombs joins us now from a Target in Fairfield, New Jersey, with the outlook. It looks calm, at least for right now, Bertha. 
Yes, the calm, perhaps before the storm. You know, back in the day, we used to have those long lines outside as people were waiting for doorbusters. No more. We don't have that now. This Target's going to open regular hours at 7 a.m., not the wee small hours to get people rushing in. Part of that was during the pandemic to reduce crowds. Now, they're not really wanting to push consumers necessarily, you know. The National Retail Federation expects that about 166 million of us will be out shopping this Black Friday weekend and Cyber Monday, and a lot of it will happen in stores. The NRF expects that with all that spending, holiday sales this year will be up between 6 and 8 percent, reaching nearly $1 trillion. Great headline, but we all know that prices have gone up. Analysts at Bain and Company say when you adjust for inflation, sales will be up just one to three percent, which would make this probably the slowest Christmas since the financial crisis when sales declined. For big box retailers like Target and Walmart, getting consumers to spend this season may become a game of the price is right. You know, they've already had to discount inventory to get it out the door. And Target has warned that this quarter will likely disappoint. The big question this holiday season is just how much more promotional they'll have to be to get shoppers to buy now and not wait. You know, Dom, we've got four weekends until Christmas. And a lot of analysts think that we're going to see consumers play that game of chicken, waiting to see just how low the stores will go and not worrying about inventory not being there as we saw the last couple of holiday seasons. Uh, Bertha, you're at a big box stores and, and that means that there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, there, there's there's the pharmacy there, there's grocery stuff, there's apparel, there's consumer electronics. It's, it, it's a place to find everything. Is there any sense uh, in your mind about where consumers will want to tilt that discretionary spending? Is it towards things like apparel and consumer electronics, which is kind of the go-to every holiday shopping season? Or are people looking more towards other things like experiences or travel to spend what little money they have after inflation? I think it depends on where you are in terms of the income scale. Obviously, if you have a bit more money, you might want to opt for an experience. But we all know that travel is much more expensive as well. If you're watching your wallet closely, as a lot of people who are facing higher food prices, higher gas prices, they are. This is the season when you do that discretionary spending. So they are going to look for where they can find the most bargains. We've already seen discounts when it comes to electronics and things like that. When it comes to clothing, I bet people have the sense that we'll see more discounts as the season goes on. All right. Bertha Coombs at a Target in Fairfield, New Jersey. Thank you very, very much. We'll see you later on this morning as well. Uh, when we come back on the show here, it may be a shortened U.S. trading day today, but still plenty of opportunities to make money. We will try to get you ready coming up next. Plus, as Bertha just told us, shoppers are looking for deals this Black Friday. We'll bring you some news you can use, tips for when you should buy certain popular items like apparel and consumer electronics as examples. And then later on, Apple struggling to get its newest high-end iPhone out to consumers. We have a live report from China on the issues a major supplier is facing. We've got a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this commercial break. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts 
Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. There are very few things in this world that can get you into the holiday spirit like being in Midtown Manhattan, New York City, right around 30 Rockefeller Center with the tree, the ice rink, and everything else. But that's what you're seeing right now, a live shot of 30 Rock in Manhattan. Of course, the headquarters for NBC Universal, Comcast NBC Universal, the parent company of this network. Uh, anyway, futures right now, welcome back. Futures pointing to a moderately positive open ahead of the holiday shortened trading day as stocks look to close out the week with back-to-back winning sessions, maybe following the dovish comments from the Federal Reserve's latest meeting, with the minutes pointing to possibly smaller interest rate hikes coming over the next few months. But is it too early to call a pivot, or is there more pain to come? Joining me now is Chuck Lieberman, the co-founder and chief investment officer of Advisors Capital Management. Chuck, I've asked a number of folks out there over the course of the last several weeks and months at this point if they thought that inflation has peaked or is in the process of peaking, I'm going to ask you the same thing to start. Do you feel as though the inflationary picture is cooling off yet? Yes, uh, we have peaked, but that's not the issue. The issue is how much will inflation come down? How close can they get to inflation to the 2% target? I think that's a pretty distant target, and it's not going to be so quick to get it down there. Now, if that's the case, there is, a, there is a, a, at least a mentality right now on Wall Street that you were looking towards that so-called pivot, right? That, that the end of this rate hiking cycle and then when the Fed could become a little bit more accommodative yet again at some point down the line. How much of a lag effect do you think there's going to be or how much of an anticipation buffer will there be between when people feel as though the pivot, so to speak, could happen and when they're willing to go in there and buy stocks and put an uptrend in place yet again? Well, those are two very different things. Uh, Start off with the uh, uh, Fed policy. Certainly, the Fed is going to start to slow down the rate of of rate increases. Uh, 75 basis points at a clip will get you very far very quickly. And that's too much at this stage. So they're likely to go to 50 basis points at a clip and then maybe even 25 before they pause. The Fed does need to wait to see how the economy responds to all of the rate increases they've already implemented. So they need time to pass. They need the data to come in. And it'll take uh, time for that to occur. So I do fully expect them to slow down uh, 50 basis points at the next meeting, probably another 50 after that. And then they could potentially pause. Uh, And then they'll wait to see how the data performs in both the employment data as well as the uh, inflation data. Uh, But it'll be a while before inflation comes down sufficiently. So I don't think we're going to see a rate decline in 2023 unless the economy really slips into into recession. Then they could respond to that. All right. So so if that's the case, 
there has to be at some point a, 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 an opportunity that presents itself, right? Is there an opportunity right now? And if so, where is it? Is it in some of those interest rate sensitive sectors? Is it in technology, the beaten up sectors out there like tech? Well, the way I would put it is I think it's way too late to sell, but it might be a little bit early to buy. But when you look at the market, it's easy to find lots and lots of cheap stocks. The stock market has come down quite a lot. And more than 20% of the entire S&P now trades at single digit multiples. So stocks are, are attractively valued. You do have to look across the valley because the economy is not gonna turn around tomorrow. It is likely to continue to weaken, meaning to grow more slowly. Um, but the real question is, will it dip into recession? And it's really premature to say that. Uh, it, it's more likely than not, but until it occurs, you can't say that rates have peaked, uh, that the rate increases are over, that inflation isn't is going to come down sufficiently to allow the Fed to to uh, pivot policy. All right, Chuck Lieberman, Advisors Capital. Thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a nice weekend, sir. Same to you, Dom. All right, still on deck for the show. Answers to the questions every Black Friday shopper will at least ask once today. Should I buy now or wait for a better deal down the line? Stay tuned. You are watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Today's big number, $260 billion. That's how much gift card sales in the U.S. will total by 2026, according to forecasts from WalletHub, up almost 40 percent from 2022. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Let's get a check on this morning's other top headlines. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York with the latest there. Hi, Philip. Hey, Dom. Good morning. The community of Chesapeake, Virginia, spent their Thanksgiving in mourning after this week's mass shooting at a local Walmart. Six people were killed, and according to the company, they were all employees. Four others were wounded before police say the shooter turned the gun on himself. The 31-year-old gunman worked at Walmart since 2010. So far, there's no word on a motive or if the suspect obtained his handgun legally. The Salvation Army of Savannah, Georgia, hosted a Thanksgiving feast for hundreds of families. 250 people got a warm, home-cooked meal, complete with turkey, sides, and dessert. The children there also got to enjoy some arts and crafts. Organizers say they were thankful for the community who stepped up to help make this a special day for so many families. Now to the electrifying Thanksgiving NFL nightcap. Beautiful stadium, one of my favorites in the league. Now open for its seventh year. Kane Wanwu will take it back to the four. Patriots doing a good job, but Wanwu gets free down the sideline. He's in bounds. He's going. Wanwu 30, 20. He will score. 
What a look there, all the way to the house. Kenna Wongu making a Thanksgiving feast out of the Patriots with that run, and that gave the Vikings the spark they needed. Kirk Cousins had one bad interception, but otherwise played lights out for Minnesota. Vikings win it 33 to 26, advancing to nine and two on the year. Finally, a real crowd pleaser came out on top at this year's National Dog Show. That is Winston, the French Bulldog. The best in show judge said that Winston had a razzle-dazzle about him that said that he was there to win. Winston also came in second place at this year's Westminster Dog Show. That is one decorated pup. Dom, back to you. Just what well, this country needs more popularity for Frenchies. Those French <laughs> Bulldogs are all the rage these days, Philip. Yep. Nope. There it is. He is a cute pup, though, you got to admit. There you go. Thank you very much, Philip. We'll see you soon. All right. Coming up on the show, Apple's iPhone supply problems could be getting worse. We've got a live report from China still ahead. And if you haven't already done so, please follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple or Spotify or your podcast app of choice. Worldwide Exchange in audio format. We'll be right back. The kickoff. To the holiday shopping season is here. Why Black Friday could just be the opening salvo for even deeper discounts in the days and weeks ahead. In China, a fast-moving story as the country races to stay ahead of one of its biggest COVID outbreaks on record. We are live in Beijing with a live report there. And speaking of China, we take a closer look at what new lockdowns could mean for Apple and its already stressed out supply chain ahead of the key holiday quarters. It's Black Friday, November 25th, 2022. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dominic Chu and for Brian Sullivan here on this Black Friday, kicking off this half hour with a look at U.S. equity futures, which are, let's call them stable, muted, marginal moves implied. You can see here the Dow Jones implied higher by just about 33 points. The S&P higher by three points and the Nasdaq down by five. So again, very stable. Again, a holiday shortened trading day today. In the bond market, yields are moving, but modestly so. We're seeing a tick lower in certain key parts of the yield curve and higher in others. On the two-year benchmark note yield, we currently stand a little bit lower at 4.48%. Meanwhile, a slight tick higher in the 10-year benchmark treasury note yield, just a hair below 3.71%. The 30-year long bond sitting right at around 3.74%. Let's also hit oil prices, which are catching a bid this morning, up by about a percent plus, now 2% for U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate, or WTI prices, up a buck 63, $79.57, 1.5% gains for ice Brent crude futures, the world benchmark gauge, that's up $1.36 to $86.70. Now to some of this morning's top corporate stories. For that, we turn to Pippa Stevens. Hi, Pippa. Hey, Dom. Well, Binance is announcing new details about its industry recovery fund, which aims to keep the crypto sector afloat amid FTX's collapse. In a blog post, the cryptocurrency exchange says it will devote $1 billion in initial commitments to the fund, and it may increase it to $2 billion should the need arise. The Federal Trade Commission is reportedly set to file an antitrust lawsuit to block Microsoft's $69 billion takeover of video game giant Activision Blizzard, the maker of hit games like Call of Duty and Candy Crush. According to Politico, the regulator, which has yet to vote on any action, has already received depositions from Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella and Activision chief Bobby Kotick. 
Apple is reportedly considering buying Manchester United, according to British tabloid newspaper The Daily Star, which did not cite any sources. Tim Cook is interested in paying just over $7 billion for the club, which would make Man U the most highly valued football club in the world. And Amazon workers and labor activists in roughly 30 countries, including the United States, plan to walk off the job today, demanding better pay and working conditions. The Make Amazon Pay campaign is not just isolated to warehouses. Labor actions are also planned at Amazon's Whole Foods stores in seven states and Washington, D.C. Dom? All right, Pippa Stevens with the latest headlines there. Thank you very much. The kickoff to the holiday shopping season is here, but while Black Friday is known for deals, some early indications suggest even deeper discounts could be on the way with, as you can see there, 29 days, 18 hours, 30 minutes, and 15 or so seconds until the big Christmas holiday. Melissa Repko joins us now with the latest on that story. Melissa. Hi, Dom. Yes, you know, we've seen a deep discount drumbeat really throughout the whole month of November. But in the days to come, we're expecting to see discounts that go even deeper. So far, Adobe has reported some numbers uh, on categories that have been highly promotional. The leading one is really the toy category. Uh, toys have peaked up to 30% off in the past three weeks. Some categories are not as promotional yet, one of those being apparel. If people want to get some new holiday outfits, they may want to wait a few more days as we get closer to Cyber Monday. Okay, so if we're looking at that chart, it shows consumer electronics and apparel. We could see more deeper kind of discounts coming. Why are the discounts now so much deeper this year? than they have been over the last several years now going into it. They are d deeper for three key reasons. One is that we saw unusually low levels of discounting a year ago because people were worried about out of stocks and shortages during the supply chain. This year, not only are shelves back in stock, but in a lot of cases, retailers are struggling with over inventory. So just excess stuff that they're trying to clear through. And a lot of those categories that are highly promotional, uh, like electronics and computers that we're already seeing deeply discounted, those are ones that retailers, frankly, have too much of. The third factor is they're aware that consumers are on the prowl for some deep discounts and bargains this year because of inflation driving up prices. And so they want to entice them to the store, entice them to their websites, and they're going to be putting out those big bargains in the days ahead and beyond as Christmas gets closer because they realize that people are a little bit more price sensitive than the past two holiday seasons. And, and Melissa, uh, before we let you go here, there's also uh, obviously over the last several years, decades now, there's been an increasing presence. You spoke of those Adobe numbers, the focus on online shopping as opposed to going in stores. These days, we heard from Bertha Coombs that some of these traditional retailers aren't even doing these doorbusters at like 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning. They're just opening kind of at their normal times. Is the retail landscape changing much more so because of what's happened with COVID towards online shopping? Yes, we've really seen these deals become front and center on websites over the past couple of years because people were shopping more from their couches. Even the way that Walmart has handled Black Friday, it actually started Black Friday deals at the beginning of November, and all of them started online on its website and then continued in stores. So while those are intensifying this coming week, you know, really it's been on their websites and on their app because they know that's where people price compare a lot of the time between different retailers. They you know, can easily quick click around and, and click on something from a competitor. So that's why they, they feel pressure to put those discounts um, on their website prominently.
you know, I'm not going crazy. I've been saying for days and weeks now that I've been doing some discounted Christmas shopping all the way into October. And some people didn't believe me, but I was like, just look online. Everyone's saying Black Friday two weeks ago at this point. So anyway, Melissa Repko, thank you very much. That's the state of play on retail right now. We're going to stick with that story and the holiday spending outlook. Let's bring in Jan Niffen, CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide. Uh, the Melissa story was pretty revealing. I mean, uh, this idea here that we could ha- we could be doing. I said, welcome to Black Friday. But the truth is, I've been doing Black Friday shopping for the last two or three weeks now, Jan. That's very different than it's been in years past. Why? Hey, wait a minute. I'm going with things are back to normal. We have too much inventory. We have people coming back to the stores and we're going to see penetration by online. That's been going on since what? 1999. This looks more normal to me than anything we've seen in the last three years, at least since 2018, 2019. We're going to get people out there. They're going to go to Macy's. They're going to go to Dillard's. They're going to go to Walmart. They're going to go to Target. And we're going to see them shop. But yes, this will be the first year in a couple of years that I haven't said, if you want it, you better go buy it now because it's not going to be there and it won't be cheaper. Well, this year, I would say... You want to wait? It's going to be there. Inventories are a little higher than they've been for the last two years. There's more availability of product. The pricing will probably get a little better until we get closer and closer to holiday. And they finally say, okay, now they're desperate. We don't have to discount anymore. But yes, we're going to see what I would call a more traditional shopping day. I bet it's a very strong Black Friday. I think it's going to be a very strong Saturday and Sunday. Then we'll see the lull that we always see in shopping at the stores after that, and then we'll see it pick up again versus prior years. But versus last year, yes, the deals are going to be a lot better and the availability is going to be a lot better. Jan, how much of that is because, I, I mean, listen, it's it's almost a, well, not a complete, but a relatively complete about face. I mean, over the last six to nine months, we've been talking about supply chain problems a, a, a lot. And all of a sudden, we haven't really been talking about them that much at all. In fact, we've even got some reports that, that freight costs are on the decline because people just aren't shipping as much across the country and whatnot. Why, how did things change so quickly for retail? Containers are dramatically cheaper. Ocean shipping rates are dramatically cheaper. Now we have 20 boats setting offshore instead of 120. We don't have any of those problems going on right now. And that has brought down the cost of moving the product. The product itself is not the, to produce it is not going down in price, but the cost to move it has certainly come down and the ability to get it here on a timely basis. So we saw a nightmare in the first quarter. All that merchandise showed up and people said, gosh, that wasn't really what I had in mind. And we saw enormous discounting. We saw that continue in the second quarter. It got better, much better in the third quarter. And the third quarter reports that came out just last week and the week before, they were pretty good reports. People beat what the expectations were kind of across the board. Only really Target was disappointing and they were still sitting on tons and tons of inventory. Fourth quarter is going to look a lot more normal than any of those three quarters did. We don't have that much inventory relative to Q's one and Q2, but certainly we do versus last year and the availability is a lot better. So we are going to see discounting. We are not going to see the nightmare we saw in the first quarter and the second quarter. Jan, uh, one of the things that's been very transparent from many of these companies is the impact on profit margins that we will see. We've been prepared as investors, as traders, as the people in business news about the fact that discounting will happen. With that in mind, 
which retailers in your mind are the best positioned this holiday season to help preserve some of their profit margins despite a promotional environment? Well, they've certainly gotten us pretty well prepared, right? They gave us guidance and we know kind of what we should expect to see. And we know it's going to be more promotional. We know it's going to be tougher on gross margins. Macy's came out and said, hey, we're only setting on 4% inventory gain increases. We're in good shape. So you would certainly think they're going to have a good holiday. Dillard's is in good shape on inventories. They've been having strong sales. They'll have a good holiday. Walmart's winning the game. They're gaining market share. So they're going to have a good holiday. And then the guys at the upper end, people like Tapestry and Capri and Lululemon and Nike and Ralph Lauren and Boot Barn, Contour, Tractor Supply, they're going to have a good holiday because that's where the consumer wants to shop. And that top 60% of the economy, those consumers, they've still got plenty of money and they're spending it. And yes, travel's costing them 50% more, but they want a new suitcase to take with them and lots of clothes to put in those suitcases. And they're out buying them and they're going to be out buying them this weekend and right through holiday. Gifting is going to be the number one gift's going to be apparel and number two is going to be gift cards this year. We haven't seen that in a while. So yes, those kind of businesses, upper in retail, I left out LVMH and Caring, they're going to be good. All right. Upper end retail, a big focus there for sure. Jan Niffen, thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving. Have a nice weekend, sir. You too. All right. Coming up on the show, new lockdowns in China as the country deals with its biggest COVID surge in months. Plus what it all means for Apple's all-important holiday quarter and its supply chain. We've got that coming up next. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. A developing story this morning. China expanding lockdown measures across the country as COVID-19 cases hit a new daily record. This is Apple and its partner Foxconn reportedly looked to resolve worker unrest at a major assembly plant in a region dubbed iPhone City. Recall earlier this week there were employee protests, as you can see there, and violent clashes with security forces caught on camera and published to Chinese social media. For more, let's, let's turn to Eunice Yoon. She joins us now from Beijing with the latest there. There seems to be, Eunice, increasing frustration now with some of the lockdown measures, maybe not too understandable or not understandable at all. Oh, it's very understandable. There are more and more buildings, such as the one behind me, that are now in lockdown, not only here in Beijing, but around the country. In fact, the country has now hit a fresh high of reported cases nearing 33,000 for the first time. This is higher than when we uh, saw the very brutal lockdown in Shanghai back in April. Now, the leadership appears to be tolerating these higher numbers officially, but unofficially, the lockdowns have been very fierce and inconsistent. In the uh, Chinese iPhone city of Zhengzhou, uh, that city is now um, in effective lockdown for most of the, the city uh, until next Tuesday. And this comes as a violent protest had rocked the iPhone uh, facility uh, there that's responsible for the production of iPhone 14s as well as 70 percent of global iPhone shipments. Now, uh, the company Foxconn has apologized for what it described as a technical error in worker pay, which triggered the dispute. And also, um, the company offered about $1,400 for departing recruits. There are reports, though, that about 20,000 uh, recruits have decided to take that money and leave, which really raises the question as to whether or not Foxconn is going to be able to meet its internal goal to uh, have it, that facility up and running by the end of this month. There's also been some reports that the November output 
in that facility is going to be hit by at least, they said, um, sources said, a 30 percent. Now, Apple has uh, sent people to that troubled uh, Zhengzhou facility, and this all comes as the tightening curbs around the country have been sparking fears of citywide shutdowns, including here in Beijing. And it's also been sparking some pushback among the population. Uh, Guangzhou uh, Dom has denied that there's going to be a citywide shutdown, but uh, we've heard that before in Shanghai. And of course, we know the consequences of what happened with Shanghai. So, Eunice, I, I mean, it, it, is, there, is there a sense right now, have business leaders in, in China now come to some kind of a realization uh, about their frustrations about these policies? Will there be any kind of change to the way that they plan for or budget for their business operations, given the fact that there will be increasing amounts of uncertainty or perhaps certainty around the fact that the economy will just shut down with more COVID cases on the rise? Oh, I think that it's been on the mind of business leaders for quite some time. Um, just uh, in the past two days, uh, the European uh, Chamber of Commerce had uh, spoken out yet again, saying that this uh, inconsistency, and especially now with these unofficial regulations and shutdowns, have really created um, what they described as a, a very chaotic situation for business. Um, it's been triggering a lot of people here in boardrooms to think about whether or not they're going to um, uh, decide not to be investing as much here in China. And then one other thing, though, that we've seen, uh, Dom, that I just had to bring up because it, it's just so, it just really tells us the, the mindset of the Chinese leadership. And that is the World Cup has been playing, as you know, and Chinese people have been watching it uh, very avidly. But one of the things that they've been commenting about is that so many people there do not wear masks. And so now what we've been seeing on state TV and broadcasts is the blurring of the audience when they're when they show people wearing masks because the, the leadership doesn't want to communicate um, to the public here that uh, there are people out there in the rest of the world who have um, in some way uh, managed through COVID and are no longer wearing masks and have much, uh, a much higher level of, of freedom than we do here in China. Uh, for a lot of viewers and listeners out there on SiriusXM, you probably know that in China, when we talk about such matters, Eunice Yoon and myself are typically blacked out because they don't want us hearing or talking about that kind of stuff. But I haven't heard yet about the blurring out of World Cup fans because we are all seen without masks. And of course, Eunice, you're wearing one right now. Thank you very much, Eunice, for the update there from Beijing. Have a nice weekend. Now, now this latest unrest and exodus of workers at Foxconn's factory in Zhengzhou, adding pressures on Apple's production of the iPhone 14, the latest model, during the company's most important quarter out there, the retail holiday shopping season. Apple has been trying to increase production at other sites in China and shift some of its supply chain elsewhere in Asia as well. It's estimated 90% of Apple products and nearly all iPhones, all iPhones are made in China. So let's talk more about this with Sophie Lund Yates, senior equity analyst at Hargraves Lansdowne. Uh, Sophie, you just heard Eunice's report. This is a key part of the world for Apple. Does this mean that Apple is possibly doomed to a supply-constrained holiday shopping season? 
Hi, yes, this is certainly, I know we're all sick of hearing this word, but really quite an unprecedented set of circumstances. And there are a couple of things at play that certainly I'm, I'm quite concerned going into, um, you know, the January results that we'll, that we'll be getting. Um, firstly, is that weakening of consumer spending power, particularly in, in the US. So that's kind of a problem on its own. But then you look at the supply problems and by some estimates, it's looking like maybe up to about 5% of iPhone sales are going to be affected, which will have you know, a, a relatively big impact. In terms of whether I'd say that the quarter is, is doomed, I don't think so. I think it's going, to be, it's going to be dented and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be disappointing. But I don't think we're looking at a total derailment of the quarter. But certainly, particularly when you look at um, the stock levels of iPhones at, at retailers, they're very, very low. That is going to hurt the top line, um, but I don't think we're seeing complete derailment of the quarter. No. Is this just a, Sophie, is this just a deferral, right? If there is that much buzz about a product like the iPhone or, or other supply chain Apple products out there, Apple has a very big brand presence, a very big brand following. If people know that their stuff is going to be hard to find, will they just go out and clamor to get it? if they can't get it now and supply chains ease in the coming weeks and months, is this just a deferral of revenue for the next couple of months? You've hit the nail on the head there. I mean, we're still talking about a company that had revenue of $90 billion last quarter alone. I don't think Apple's scale, dominance, or as you say, that really important brand potency is, is going anywhere. And I do think we could see an increase in people's willingness to try very, very hard to get their hands on this latest phone. And because as you say, this news might not be good news um, that we're hearing about the supply chain chaos, but it is very much in the public domain and, and PR is PR, right? And I do think you're right. I think that we are going to see people clamoring to get them. The problem is, of course, the availability. And that is where we're seeing the dent. But as I say, I don't think that Apple's brand is under any, um, under any dispute. So its biggest asset being that brand is still very much intact in my view. So, Sophie, uh, to kind of cap things off, we're talking about a stock right now in Apple that has lost about 15% of its value just so far this year. That's better than many other tech companies out there, but it's still a decline. Is Apple still a company worth owning for investors in this kind of environment with supply chain issues and everything else? This is a really important point and, and one that I'm, I'm really keen to bring up, and that is that the sell-off for Apple has been significantly better, as you say, compared to a lot of its kind of mega cap um, tech peers. Um, I do think that in this particular circumstance, it's, it's pretty possible um, that the, the, the downwards pressure related to these supply chain issues is, is potentially overdone. When you look at Apple's scale, it, you know, it successfully already um, dropped the share of iPhone production away from Foxconn anyway to other Asian countries. Um, so it's all, it can already, it's proven that it can successfully pivot its supply chains if it needs to. Um, so I do think that arguably some of that has been, has been overdone. That said, I do think the short term is going to be pretty volatile. All right, Sophie Lund-Yates on Apple. Thank you very much. Have a nice weekend. Thank you. All right, we'll change this back after this commercial break. All right, what you're seeing right there is a live shot at Deer Park, New York, out towards Long Island at the Tanger Outlet Mall there. I believe that's the Nike store, it looks like. Outlet malls could be a big part of the shopping experience for many Americans on this Black Friday. That's the live shot in Deer Park, New York. All right, let's kick off this final trading day of the week, a truncated one with the final check on the markets here. Futures are indicated slightly higher. The Dow implied higher by 50 points. Joining me now is Jay Hatfield, founder and chief investment officer at InfraCap. 
Jay, uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about retail because it's Black Friday, and this is a very important quarter and a very important set of weeks for retailers out there. How important is the retail and consumer story for any investment thesis in your mind right now? Happy Thanksgiving, Dom, and thanks for having me on. Uh, we we think that that um, the consumer is relatively strong and will support the economy, but it's problematic in terms of investing in retail because it's a really a tale of two cities. So homeowners are doing spectacularly well. That's 65 percent Americans tend to be wealthier. Um, of course, not affected by um, CPI shelter increase, but actually have more wealth because of their owning their own homes. And then, of course, then the 35 percent, um, the rest of the 35 percent is pressured. And so we think that from a GDP perspective, retail will be supportive, but not necessarily uh, great for every retail uh, company out there. How much of that has already been reflected in the markets, Jay, in your mind, that this idea that we've seen a pullback, a market one over the last several months uh, for the better part of this year, is, is the market accurately reflecting what could be a weakening consumer environment in this country right now? I don't mean just for retail, but retail spend and consumer spending makes up the bulk of the U.S. economy. Uh, we think it is priced in. We think the U.S. is by far the strongest economy in the world, particularly because we have an 80% cost advantage on energy. And also, we have a very, very resilient housing sector and auto sector. And those are the two sectors that normally buckle under Fed pressure, but we have a shortage. So normally where most of the weak uh, consumer demand comes from is from unemployment. And of course, we don't have anything approaching that right now. So we think the economy will be quite resilient going to next year. That's why we're bullish on both stocks and bonds throughout the whole year. All right. Now, within that stock market, there have been some places that have been beaten up way more than others. Given the rise in interest rates, you look at places like technology, you look at places like perhaps real estate. Those are those are very pressured right now. Is it time to buy for any of those beaten up sectors? Well, we think so. We're way more bullish about inflation declining next year than the market and even some of your guests this morning. The reason for that is that our research shows there's at least a 5 percent bleed through of energy price shocks to core, and we're going to be anniversarying all those shocks. So we think that rates will steadily decline. So we would be in sectors like you mentioned, REITs, that have been really smashed and probably over oversold uh, because of the increase in rates. So if we do have steadily declining rates as inflation comes down, uh, a lot of REIT sectors, particularly the beat up, in fact, even retail, the, the super high quality retail um, type uh, uh, reads <clears throat> also um, uh, hotels. So the more cyclical reads, I think, were oversold. Entertainment reads. So we would be focusing on those. If the market rallies, then tech will do well. We don't really view tech as being that interest rate sensitive, although everybody sort of thinks of it that way. It's just a high beta sector. But so if we're correct about um, about rates coming down then, of course, tech stocks are going to do well. We don't really focus on tech stocks. If you look at our large cap dividend stock, we only have one tech stock right now. But so we'd focus on more of the cyclicals, buy some fixed income like preferred stocks if we're correct about this. All right. Jay Hatfield at InfraCap, thank you very much. Have a nice weekend, sir. Happy Thanksgiving. 
That does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Markets right now indicate a relatively calm open. Remember, markets close here in the U.S. for stocks at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Have a happy Black Friday. Good luck with the shopping. Squawk Box is coming up next. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.